This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Harry Tales, the podcast where I, Harry Hill, tell you the tales of my life and whatever else I want to talk about. And this week, there's only really one thing that I want to talk about, and that is Miss Taylor the Swift. Taylor came out with her new album, her 12th album, her 12th studio album entitled Midnights. Before we get into Taylor Swift, I do want to just do a little bit of housekeeping. <laughs> um, I'm mid-move. If I get a call from people wanting to drop off boxes while I'm recording, I'm going to flip a lid because I spend my life waiting for packages that need to be delivered to me that can't just be dropped off because I don't have a lobby <laughs> or a doorman. And both of those things are changing. And by this time next week, I will be able to tell you what it's like living in a building with a door person. And that's very exciting. I'm also very nervous. You know when you're about to move and you start to get in your feels and you're like, oh no, what am I leaving behind? I think that was me, but now now I'm just ready to put everything in a box and and go. So I was going to move yesterday so that I could talk about it on the podcast today, but there was no way that I was going to be able to get all my stuff boxed up and ready to go. So here we are. I'm going to move on Thursday. I'm moving in two days. And today we're going to talk about Taylor Swift. Because like I said, she came out with her 12th studio album, Midnight's. It's been on repeat. I'm sure for a lot of you, it's been on repeat too. So thank you for taking the time out of your Taylor streaming to listen to this here podcast. I just want to read what Taylor first said about Midnight's when she announced it. We lie awake in love and in fear, in turmoil and in tears. We stare at walls and drink until they speak back. We twist in our self-made cages and pray that we aren't right this minute, about to make some fateful, life-altering mistake. This is a collection of music written in the middle of the night, a journey through terrors and sweet dreams, the floors we pace and the demons we face, for all of us who have tossed and turned and decided to keep the lanterns lit and go searching, hoping that just maybe, when the clock strikes 12, we'll meet ourselves. Midnight's The Stories of 13 Sleepless Nights Scattered Throughout My Life will be out October 21st. Okay, so... She announced that in August, and then she really rolled this album out, unlike the past couple albums. I guess she did this with Red, but Folklore and Evermore, I think, became kind of the albums that were kind of like comparing everything else to, because she didn't roll them out. She just dropped them without notice, and there are a lot of people's favorite albums by her. So this time she brought back the Easter eggs. It felt very much like Lover, where it's an event and the fans, the Swifties are all very much working together to like <laughs> figure everything out. We're staying up late. We're waiting for midnights. We're, you know, we're in it together. And she never dropped a single. So we really had no idea what it was going to sound like. There were rumors that it was going to be like rock. There was a rock rumor, which I'm glad it's not. <laughs> 
there was uh, everybody theorizing that it was going to be like 70s-ish, like Stevie Nicks-ish, just because the aesthetic of the album, the pictures, she's all she's all like 70s vibes. But I think the genre of this album is truly just like Taylor Swift. Like, I don't think, you know, her sound is very Taylor Swift. I feel like she invented this kind of like genre. And I don't even know what to call it. Obviously, it's very like poppy, but we also hear the Jack Antonoff production, hardcore. He produced the whole thing. Him and Taylor worked hand in hand to produce it. And then the seven extra tracks that came out on the Midnight version, Aaron Desner was part of some of those. So we are going to go track by track because I've been listening to it nonstop, obviously. And... I think I have my top three, but I'm going to wait till the end until we, until we go through every song and I can be sure. I just want to say that the album leaked a couple days before it came out and I was a good Swifty. I was, I really was until I wasn't, you know what I mean? Until curiosity killed the cat and I had to. Basically, Snow on the Beach leaked first. And I don't know if it's because Lana Del Rey's backpack got stolen out of her car when she left it on Melrose. (laughs) I think that's where she left it. But it was stolen out of her car. I think that's why Snow Snow on the Beach leaked. Anyway, Snow Snow on the Beach, I don't know why I can't say it, leaked first. And this cute guy in LA sent it to me. And I was like, I'm not going to listen to it. And he was like, Harry, you're the one who sent me the all too well 10 minute leak. And I listened to it and I was like, okay, touche, presses play. So I listened to it. And of course, Lana Del Rey is but a whisper. And there's already so many memes and jokes that, you know, Lana's presence or lack thereof on this song is kind of like a joke to Taylor by now because she brings on these female singers and then doesn't let them sing. (laughs) So we barely hear Lana, um, but that's the first track that I heard. Anyway, let's start with Lavender Haze, track one. I love this song. If I could change one thing about the entire album, literally, it would be the fact that she says, meet me at midnight at the beginning of the song because we just don't need it. Like I understand what she was doing. She was opening up the album but why did she have to do that like why did she have to literally say meet me at midnight it just doesn't have anything to do with the song does this irk anybody else am i the only one the rest of the song though i really like and she introduced the song kind of like talking in a video about how lavender haze which i had never heard of is a term from the 50s she she saw it on mad men And she decided to write a song about it because it's basically when you're so in love with somebody that you can't hear any of the noise. Like you don't pay attention to what everybody else is saying about your romance because you're just so in love with that person. And who who else but Taylor Swift knows about people speculating about her relationship? I think this was kind of a jab not a jab (laughs) a jab sounds like angry and weird but like i think this was her way of kind of shutting down the gayler rumors a little bit right 
right? She had to she had to say something. And this song is very like hip hoppy. Again, production wise, I love this song. I just hate that she says meet me at midnight, but it's definitely not a skip. Like I'm listening to this song. It's when I queue up the album, like this is this is one that I queue. Okay, Maroon. Maroon is sexy. Maroon kind of gives me like the whole album is kind of like it's been compared to Reputation and Lover. I f- I feel the Reputation. I don't really feel like it is comparable that much to 1989. But I do feel like it's comparable to Reputation. It feels like a continuation of Reputation. It's like where she she's picking up where she left off before she went to record Folklore and Evermore. But Maroon is one of my favorites on the album. She, in the beginning of it, she's like talking about how how her and her lover ended up on the floor and it's because they were drinking his roommate's cheap ass screw top rosé and then i was picturing taylor drinking chateau diana like i did when i was in college and then i was like picturing joe having a roommate and i was like no (laughs) no and then i was like do you think she has to manufacture like relatable scenarios like do you think she'll jump at a chance to be in a situation that isn't like in a private jet on a fur rug you know what I mean I feel like if I were in her position I would jump at the chance to like drink some like bodega wine (laughs) so that I could be like oh my god like remember when we drank the bodega wine (laughs) And that's what she's doing on this song. It's very, it's very relatable. She's got this New York sexy romance. It's giving false God. It's really good. Snow on the Beach, like I said, first song that I heard on the album. I didn't love it at first, but this is one that's growing on me. Of course, we wish Lana Del Rey, just give Lana a verse. What are you talking about? Sometimes I think these pop stars love to get other pop stars in the studio and then just not use them. I'm thinking of when Miley had Britney Spears in the studio and they recorded, wasn't it SMS, Bangers? Was That was the one with Britney, right? Flop. Bad. Why can't you guys get in the studio and like do what you do together? So that's that's my critique of Snow on the Beach. But I do like snow on the beach weird but fucking beautiful i love when taylor swift says fucking and this is i think the second time she says fucking because she says it in maroon anti-hero let's talk about anti-hero because anti-hero has the one line that has everybody like lit up online which is sometimes i feel like everybody is a sexy baby and i'm a monster on the hill I don't know if it's just because I'm a blind Swifty, if I'm gay, or it's because I'm hilarious, but this line made sense to me the minute I heard it. Sometimes you feel like everybody's a sexy baby and you're a monster on the hill. To me, that's basically just saying like, sometimes I feel like everybody around me is 
a sexy baby is like young and hot and beautiful and I'm just like an ogre. And I was thinking about it and I was like, okay, if you don't understand this line, I <laughs> this is like the anti-hero of it all, okay? This is like the weird, I was walking down the street thinking about this the other day. The people outing themselves as like sexy baby deniers, I'm like, you are the sexy baby then. You are the sexy baby in question, which is why you wouldn't understand the line. In order to under in order to understand the sexy baby line, you have to feel like the monster on the hill. Does that make sense? Otherwise, you're gonna be like, why did she say sexy baby? Yeah, because you've never felt like an monster on the hill. Like y'all just don't feel like the monster on the hill, and it shows. And it shows and you want to be confused about why she's singing about sexy baby. I did see, and this will probably make more sense because it will, but people are saying, the streets are saying that sexy baby is Taylor kind of talking about the fact that society is so obsessed with youth and trying to stay young and like, you know, beauty and skincare and whatever and social media. And of course, when you scroll social media, everybody looks like a sexy baby. Literally, we have the sexy baby filters. They're not called sexy baby filters, but they make you look like, you know, big cheeks, big eyes, like little like sparkles, sexy fucking baby. And so she's like, everybody feels like a sexy baby. And then Monster on the Hill could be broken down by the fact that if you're like over 40, then you're over the hill. Is it over 40 or over 50? At a certain point, you're like over the hill. I think it's over 50. And I feel like she's talking about, she could be talking about her, the fact that she's like aging out. Last night on Jimmy Fallon, she said she was a geriatric pop star because she's 32 and she's like still in the game. <laughs> she said that they put pop stars out to pasture, out to pasture, love that at 25 so she was like i'm 32 i'm a geriatric pop star and i'm just happy to be here so i understand the sexy baby i understand it in like the theoretical ways that people on tiktok are talking about it but i also understand it like in my heart of hearts like i under like she was talking directly to me you know what i mean the song itself is very catchy if you just start playing it it sounds like sunflower by post malone I think having a song start with that kind of like, just like punchy beat really can sometimes seal the deal and make it a radio hit. And I think this is going to be the song that we hear in the grocery stores for the next however long. There is another line on it that I didn't like as much because it gets, she had me at Sexy Baby. She had me in a chokehold with Sexy Baby, but then she goes on to say, did you hear my covert narcissism I disguise as altruism like some sort of congressman and I was just like is this plausible deniability like is this just her being like okay now I can say literally whatever I want because I said it in a song that I am a narcissistic congressman <laughs> but I do like that she says I'm a monster on the hill too big to hang out slowly lurching toward your favorite city pierced through the heart but never killed this makes sense to me. Too big to hang out, slowly lurching towards your favorite city, 
Taylor is too big to hang out. She can't just go to dinner. You know what I mean? She is a liability. It's like when Lord said that being friends with Taylor Swift is like having an autoimmune disorder. And she had to walk it back because it was insensitive. But was it? <laughs> it's true. It's like being friends with Taylor Swift is probably like if you're friends with Taylor Swift, like that's it. You you become Taylor Swift's friend. You know, you're no longer a Heim sister. I listened to select songs off of this album last night in the rain riding through central park and anti-hero is one of them i haven't felt that alive i was on a boosted bike in the rain in central park it was fantastic you're on your own kid this is a track five and if you're a swifty you know that every track five every single uh track five on a taylor swift album is like it's gonna be a sadder song it's gonna be a more reflective song and you're on your own kid is a coming of age song it's like her kind of going through her life and kind of just coming to terms with moments in her life you're on your own kid you always have been i have a favorite lyric in this song and it is she sings from sprinkler ashes from Sp- Sprinkler splashes to fireplace ashes. I gave my blood, sweat, and tears for this. I hosted parties and starved my body like I'd be saved by a perfect kiss. And then she says, The jokes weren't funny. I took the money. My friends from home don't know what to say. Again, you guys, she was speaking directly towards me. So if you don't understand, it makes sense because she wasn't talking to you. (laughs) No, but I really like this line because she kind of captured... Sometimes how I feel, you know, and I'm not Taylor Swift. I'm not Rihanna, you know. Um, But sometimes I'll be out with people and they will be kind of if if we're out and they introduce me to like somebody they know, they'll be like, oh, Harry's an influencer. Yeah, he does paid partnerships. Kind of in just a way where it's like in this way where I'm like, why are you saying it like that? Does that make sense? And so... I get that. The jokes weren't funny. I took the money, which is like what I was talking about when I came out as a sellout. (laughs) And my friends from home don't know what to say. And I think my friends from home don't know what to say is just like, (laughs) not me comparing myself to Taylor Swift, but (laughs) um, my friends from home don't know what it's like to have Instagram. So what could they possibly say? No. Um, it just spoke to me. This this line in particular spoke to me. I just felt a kinship with her. Um, this song, though, is definitely, it's not one that I've been queuing up. I do like that she says, um, So Long Daisy May, which people are alleging is Blake Lively's kid's name. And I'm just like, okay, what's the deal with Blake Lively's kid's names in Taylor's songs? Like, what if they get in a fight one day and now she has all these songs about Inez and Betty? Please. Daisy motherfucking May. We have one more Blake Lively shout out to add to the <laughs> to add to the roster. Midnight Rain. If you're not a Swifty, you might have seen if you're not, if you are, you might have seen the video clip of 
James Charles singing the intro to this song because it's kind of like a pitched down like reverb of Taylor's voice and she's like <laughs> I was chasing that rain, rain and it does kind of sound like it sounds kind of like James Charlesy like it kind kind of sounds like egg yolky and somebody made a clip of the beginning of the song with the with the video of James Charles singing hilarious um kind of unfortunate because it's one of those funny things that you just like can't unsee and so every time you listen to midnight rain now you kind of kind of get like a little james charlesian taste you know what i mean like it's one of those things that you want to sunshine the spotless mind from yourself because um you know i'd rather have a, a taylor swift song than a meme any day Midnight Rain is about how she ended a relationship because she wanted to make her own name. She wanted to chase the fame and the guy stayed the same and he wanted her to be a wife. And my friend was like, oh, I think this is about, she said it was about somebody. And I was like, I don't think we know the guy that this was about because what if she dated a guy that we didn't know about and he was like a plumber and he just wanted her to be his wife and she wanted to chase the fame. I don't know. Who do you guys think it's about? It's definitely on, on cue. Like it's a song that I will cue. Making my own name. Question dot, 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 question mark. I think this is going to be her next single after antihero. This song literally goes, can I ask you a question? (laughs) Which I think is funny and very paradoxical of her because can I ask you a question is in fact a question. And I think people overlook that a little bit. Another thing that I can't see is a TikTok about question with pictures of Selena and Justin. And it does make sense if you listen to this song that it could be Taylor asking Justin a question. And of course, the TikTok comments, half of them are like, bruh, this is a reach. Like, what are you guys talking about? You're crazy. And half the comments are like, she would have a sleepless night because she's talking to one of her best friends and like consoling her. (laughs) Who else could sing, can I ask you a question with her whole chest? I think she could be asking Justin Bieber a question. It makes sense if you listen to it. Listen to this song as if Taylor Swift is asking Justin Bieber a question because she goes on to say, how does it feel like everything's just like second best after that meteor strike, the meteor strike being Selena? Because what could be better than Selena Gomez? And what's that I heard? That you're still with her? Still with her, meaning Hailey Bieber. (laughs) That's nice. I'm sure that's what's suitable and right. But tonight, can I ask you a question? I could so see Taylor Swift like on a Zoom call with Justin Bieber being like, can I ask you a question? Are you still with her? We're going from question to vigilante shit, which from the second she announced vigil anti shit i just like didn't like it because i'm like okay what are you doing here 
what is vigilante shit? Do you, if you guys Google vigilante, it's like Z from the movie V for Vendetta or V, Z or V. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It seems dangerous. But vigilante shit is like Taylor's kind of like one Billy Eilishian song on the album. It's kind of like dark and like metallic. And she starts it off with <laughs> draw the cat eye sharp enough to kill a man. <laughs> Which is kind of like if we're talking like polarizing corny lines, like that's definitely tied with sexy baby or like number two there's only one part of this song that i like and when it's when she says don't get sad get even don't get sad get even (laughs) i was thinking that this song is like if a bratz doll was singing a reputation song this would be it you know like i'm thinking like big plastic black boots and like big lips and like a knife a knife somewhere a taser i was like undoing a box of random stuff from my closet that i haven't touched in over a year last night and i came across a taser from my ex-best friend and it barely worked it like tased twice and then i was like i have to get rid of this and i as i was putting it in the box i like threw it in the box and i was like this is gonna blow up do we know what a taser is? When it tases, what is that? Electricity? She should have sampled a taser in this song. Could you imagine a video for this song where she tases someone? That would be fun. But yeah, this song, not not really queued up, kind of a skip. It's the one song on the album that she wrote herself, which before it came out, I was like, ooh, what is this going to be? But then when it came out, I was like, Okay. And so it is. Next, Bejeweled. I've I like Bejeweled because I it's one it's I love the word Bejeweled and I love what it evokes. Like I love a gemstone. I love a sparkle. I love the fact that this song kind of sounds like a slot machine. Like, it's very, like, sparkly sounds. The video came out, and it is Laura Dern playing her evil stepmother. It's, like, a Cinderella-themed video. I don't know if she just didn't want to make a a video for the whole song, but I don't even think she gets through the whole song in the video, and it just ends so abruptly, which makes me think that there might be a part two with a different song. Because the video just ends so abruptly, but she's like very sparkly. And I like the theme of the song, which is like kind of taking back your your power when somebody seems to have forgotten it. <laughs> she's like, by the way, I can still make the whole room shimmer. That's good for her. So Bejeweled's great. Labyrinth. I feel like I have to listen to it because I don't even know. Like this was like a, this was a skip. And I think every album needs to have like a song that you're okay with. Just like not like you need a break. You need a texting break. You need like a skip. You need a moment of just like, it's not for me. And for me, it's Labyrinth. (laughs) 
I couldn't even tell you what it's about. It's sh- about her being afraid of elevators. I think. But after Labyrinth, we have Karma. And Karma is, I think, my top song on the album. I know we're going to do a little a little top three later on, but Karma... Karma is my boyfriend. Okay? Karma is a god. Karma is the breeze in my hair on the weekend. <laughs> Karma's a relaxing thought. Aren't you envious that for you it's not? Some, like, karma is my boyfriend. And I think this is another one of those lines that people could be like, what is she talking about? But it's like, karma's her boyfriend. And if you don't, like, we're not talking about her dating karma. Karma's not, like, a guy with abs. Karma is the fact that she has a boyfriend. Does that make sense? Like, she's saying, she's saying, like, the reason she has a boyfriend is because of of karma at the end of the song she kind of explains it better when she says karma is the guy on the screen coming straight home to me she's saying like i have a movie star boyfriend because i'm a good person that's my takeaway that's like how i read this song karma is my boyfriend karma is a god i should do a tag yourself i should do a tag yourself karma like like infographic karma is my boyfriend karma is a god karma is the breeze in my hair on the weekend karma is a relaxing thought we understand all those no questions but for you it's not sweet like honey yes karma is a cat purring in my lap because it loves me Flexing like a goddamn acrobat. Yeah, no questions. Doesn't that... I just think it makes sense. Doesn't that make sense? It does. I will say that I was reading... um, If you've heard of the writer Haley Nauman, she has a newsletter called Maybe Baby, but she was writing about Midnight and just everybody's thoughts on it and how there are so many think pieces. And whenever Taylor Swift comes out with an album, people love to like... People love to hate her, and I feel like she has a lot of fans that hate her, which is weird because usually artists have people that like them and people that don't like them. Taylor Swift has people that, like, love to hate her, like, like will consume her but detest her. Anyway, Haley was writing about karma, and she was like, she kind of brought up the point, like, why does Taylor Swift think that she has such good karma when she is flying around on a private jet and working with evil corporations? And I was like, the jokes weren't funny. I took the money. (laughs) To me, Taylor Swift doing a commercial with Capital One is not a ding on her karma. Taylor Swift looping somebody in on a three-way phone call and not telling them, that would be a ding on her karma. Does that make sense? I still think, I think, I'm going to say it, Taylor Swift can retain her good karma from the comfort of a private jet. Is that me being a blind defense attorney Swifty? 
Or is that me understanding karma at its core? I tweeted, karma is a cheeseburger in all caps. And then I deleted it because somebody immediately commented, can I has cheeseburger? And I was just like, that's not the vibe of this tweet. Like, I'm not talking about like a cheeseburger cat. I'm talking like karma is a cheeseburger. Does that make sense? If karma is the boyfriend from the screen, can karma not be a cheeseburger? Just food for thought, literally. Um, Okay, after karma comes sweet nothing, which is very cute. And she wrote it with William Bowery, who, as we all know, is Joe Alwyn. I'm just wondering if they're married yet, but this is a really cute song. It kind of has like a like a music box-ish kind of sound to it. Like if you opened up one of those jewelry boxes, like this is the song that would come out of it. Very cute. And the sentiment there is that everybody wants something from Taylor Swift, but Joe Alwyn doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't want anything from her except for her pooty, right? Um which is nice it's refreshing for her because like i said everybody wants something everybody wants an answer a check a photo and all he wants is to get it on by the fireplace and go rock collecting down by the beach and you know that's relatable mastermind so mastermind is very relatable as you know, um, someone who wants everybody to like them (laughs) because basically mastermind is Taylor Swift kind of talking like she's kind of coming out as like a massive schemer, not a scammer, a schemer. Like she's been scheming, scheming in the context of her relationship. So basically, she's scheming. Basically, she's kind of telling the story of how she met Joe Alwyn or whoever, whichever lover she's talking about in this song, but it has to be Joe Alwyn, right? How she met him and made it seem like it was some totally random meet cute when in reality taylor swift orchestrated the entire thing and then at the end it's kind of like and joe doesn't care like joe knew all along that i was like a psychopath and he still wants to collect rocks with me down by the beach you know she says and this is another line this is another line kind of in the sexy baby realm (laughs) she says No one wanted to play with me as a little kid, so I've been scheming like a criminal ever since. Somebody tweeted (laughs) about this line in particular. He says, I actually know for a fact that no one wanted to play with Taylor as a kid because my friend grew up with her in Redding, Pennsylvania, and said one time when they were kids, Taylor came over and hid her her pet hermit crab in the freezer, effectively murdering it, and showed no remorse. And then he followed it up with, she writes a mean bridge, though. Another line is, I'm only cryptic and Machiavellian because I care. Somebody put this whole song to Despicable Despicable Me. They put this song to like clips of Despicable Me (laughs) and it like makes sense because he's a mastermind. It was funny, but this song, I didn't really like get it, grasp it at first, but now I get it and grasp it and like it. It's inching its way up my inner charts, but I'm not sure if it's 
there quite yet, but I do really like it. After Mastermind, we thought it was over. We thought we got 13 tracks. Uh Uh-uh. Taylor said, wake up. It's 3 a.m. I have seven more tracks for you guys. So I woke up from text. I I went to bed that night at like 2.15. I was like, bitch, I can't. I can't do it. I was actually at a dinner that night, the night it came out, with my friend Serena. Um, And in a podcast note, Sophia Franklin was sitting at our dinner table. And she had a very large Chanel bag. And I was asking everybody at the dinner table, oh my gosh, Taylor Swift is coming out with music tonight. Are you guys Taylor Swift fans? And everybody was like, "Um, can you pass the shrimp tacos? And I was like, okay, this isn't my... This isn't my demo. It's like, you guys don't even know about Midnight's. And I need to get a car home right now so I can listen to it. One of the guys was like, oh, don't worry. Like, we'll have the, we can have them put it on. Like, we can have the, I was like, no, I'm not, no. I'm not sitting in front of shrimp tacos listening to Midnight's. So I went home, listened to it. 2.15, I was like, I'm clocking out. I got to go to bed. Woke up to some texts that were like, Harry, wake up. There's more songs. And the first one, I actually was so busy trying to get everything done. And like just stuff was happening. And so I didn't even listen to them until like a day later. Is that crazy? I know it's crazy of me. I know. I know. It's like bad Swifty. That is something about Taylor Swift when she like rolls out her music. It's like the weird like double-edged sword of it all. There's so much music that it makes it an event, but it's also so much music that like, it's like eating too much cake, right? You have to like lay down. You have to be like, oh, (laughs) it's a lot. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I can't believe I just said that Taylor Swift makes too much music. So she came back swinging on the seven tracks called the 3 a.m. They're the they're known as the 3 a.m. tracks. And she came back swinging with The Great War. I saw a TikTok that I can't unsee. Somebody was talking about how this song is like... <laughs> for the Kendra Scott baddies that stayed with their cheating husband and then got married to him, or cheating boyfriend and then got married to him and like moved to the suburbs. <laughs> Because the Great War, uh, I just typed in the Great War on Google and it came up with World War One Wikipedia page. <laughs> Not that war. She is talking about uh, going through a relationship that is like volatile or like emotionally like taxing, like you're crying all the time, but like you come out of it the other side and you're okay. I think what happened with folklore and evermore when she started to be like i'm singing from the perspective of my grandma's hairstylist i was like okay i'm out like i don't know who these songs are about anymore and i don't know if she's singing about herself like she could be singing about anything at this point right (laughs) so i don't think i get hung up on like who the songs are about i definitely don't lose sleep over it Like I said, I went to bed at 2.15. But I do like this song, and The Great War is inching up the charts. I like when she says, Crimson and Clover, uh uh-huh. I was thinking that if I ever had twins, a boy and a girl, I would name them Crimson and Clover. 
and that would be so cute. I was at a party on Friday night, and this girl who's like very outgoing and very fun, but like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like chocolate. Like you have to be in the mood for it. Otherwise you're like, stop. And she was like, yeah, there's a tickle in the back of my throat. I think I'm getting sick. And she was like standing right next to me. I was like, no. And I went home that night and I was like, am I going to get this? I felt a scratch in my throat over the weekend. And I was like, nope. Like, I'm moving, I can't do this. And so I literally, I gave myself a niacin flush, which I don't know if you guys, if you follow me on Instagram for a minute, you know that, like, I thought I was dying the last time I took niacin because you get all red and sunburny. But this time I induced a niacin flush to, like, literally flush my body. I did squash whatever was brewing, but my throat is a little dry. (laughs) So... (laughs) That being said, bigger than the whole sky. <laughs> when I first heard this, I was like, wait, she's saying goodbye. Did her mom die? And we don't know about it. But then I was like, okay, if her mom died, we would like absolutely know and like the world would have stopped. So it's not. But then the streets, the Swifty streets are saying that it could be about a miscarriage, which is crazy and would be so sad if Taylor experienced that. But I also think Taylor could just be making a generic sad song that she knows people will use for like funeral videos. The song is like, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. You were bigger than the whole sky. And I've already seen TikTok videos that make me like literally cry over some random person's kid because it's like, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. And you know what? They were bigger than the whole sky. Okay, Paris. Obviously, Paris has a lot to live up to because Paris by the Chainsmokers is one of my favorite songs. And Taylor Swift pulled it off perfectly. She sings about Paris in just the way that I would have wanted her to, which is metaphorical. We don't know if she's actually in Paris, but the the point of the song is not about Paris. It's about being somewhere else. And she rhymes Paris with somewhere else, which is genius. But the sentiment of this song is like, you're so in love with somebody that you don't see slash care about what's happening on your Instagram feed because you were with your lover and you're so in love that you think you might stop breathing. So that is absolutely something I can get behind. High infidelity. Skipsville. Skipsville population me because this song apparently is about Jack Antonoff. But I don't know if Lena cheated on him or he cheated on Lena, but somebody was infidel. Somebody was an infidel. As somebody who just doesn't have a lot of infidel experience, um, didn't really hit, but I'm sure if you have been cheated on, then the song might evoke something (laughs) for you. Glitch. Glitch is really cute. I like Glitch. Um... I saw a tweet early on that said something about Taylor Swift saying situationship is embarrassing. And now whenever I hear it, I'm just like, wait, is it embarrassing for her to sing situationship? But this song is kind of about ending up with somebody for a little bit longer than you anticipated, liking somebody a little bit more than you thought you would. And that I can relate to. That I can relate to. She starts it off by being like, 
we were only supposed to, we were supposed to be just friends and that immediately made me think of my um sophomore year bio teacher <laughs> I'm, to- I'm totally kidding i'm kidding i'm literally kidding <clears throat> could you imagine uh glitch is a bop it's like a slow bop it's also giving false god it's in the false god neighborhood it's in the um wavier darker sexier vibe she talks about a blood moon she talks about things glitching and i do like you know i feel like i'm constantly glitching so for her to kind of sing about it makes a lot of sense to me what have could have should have you guys, I don't, this song must have legs because it is running, it is climbing up the charts, my inner charts. Like, it might be my second favorite now. And before I was like, I don't know, I don't get it. Apparently it's about John Mayer and her relationship with him when she was 19 and he was like 42. Just kidding. I, I think the age gap was, is it 10 years, over 10 years? But, um... It's so good. It's literally so good. And people are definitely coming around to would have, could have, should have. I'm saying it in the right order. Um, but she says, I would have, st- if, if you never looked my way, I would have stayed on my knees and I damn sure would have never danced with the devil at 19. And the God's honest truth is that the pain was heaven. And now that I'm grown, I'm scared of ghosts. Memories feel like weapons. And now that I know, I wish you left me wondering. This is tea. It's just tea. God rest my soul. I miss who I used to be. The tomb won't close. Stained glass windows in my mind. I regret you all the time. I was also reading some people kind of being like, oh, why is she still talking about this relationship that she had 19 years ago? And I'm like, aren't you the same people that like are triggered by like a peanut allergy? Like, why does Taylor Swift not get to like ex- explore her trauma? She's making money off of it. What are you doing with yours? Now, I think reading about this album and reading about everybody's thoughts like has got me thinking about my relationship to Taylor Swift and her music and her as a celebrity. But we'll talk about that in a second. Um, the last song on the three, the last three a.m. song is called "Dear Reader," and this is a slow, a slower one. But I do really like it because it's kind of giving long story short in that she's kind of like singing to her past self. It feels like, and she is. It feels like she's giving her younger self advice, and it's. I was listening to it in the pink tub, knowing that I was about to be done with the pink tub, and I was just like, I needed some advice. So so it was good. Uh, Dear Reader, definitely not on my, like, cue, but I get it. It's like sweet nothing. It's like, I get it, but you're not, I'm not going to, like, listen to it every 10 seconds, like I am with Karma. <laughs> that was song by song, so... Now I want to tell you my top three songs because people kept asking, people keep, people kept asking my top three songs and I think I'm going to go with Karma as number one, P- 
Paris as number two. And then tied for number three is would have, could have, should have. And anti-hero. And maroon. And lavender haze. If there's one thing you shouldn't do, it's ask me to choose my favorite Taylor Swift anything. I want to talk about the effect Taylor Swift has on the culture because remember Barbara Walters once said famously Taylor Swift is the music industry and I think we see that when Taylor Swift does one of these big album rollouts because she's breaking every record she knows she's going to break every record she has all the late night talk shows lined up she has all the content lined up like it's a it's an event it is oh it's been over a week and it's still happening like it is an event Everybody's talking about it. You can't you can't not see it. And it brings out this weird FOMO in people that doesn't happen with other artists. Like my friend's brother texted me and he was like, Hey, what what are some good songs on Midnight's? Like we're trying to get into it. Him and his girlfriend were trying to listen to it. Somebody was like, hey, which which song on the album will make me like her? Like, just questions that I wouldn't get about any other artist. And it's because there's such a commotion around Taylor Swift's album that even if you're not interested, you like, it's like she's like a performer in a town square and like you shuffle up to her and you're like, wait, what are we looking at? Like, is this interesting? Like, should I be watching this? I think that's how, like, the normal average civilian sees a Taylor Swift album rollout. Like, they're just like, should I should I be interested in this? Like, do I need, am I missing out on something? Because the people that are listening to it and loving it are posting it on their story. You know, people that don't even normally post on Instagram are, like, posting, like, a still of them listening to the album. Like, it's an event. And it got me thinking about what kind of Swifty I am, because I feel like there's like Taylor Swift contrarians, which is like Taylor Swift does anything and people are immediately like, why do people like this? Like, I hate this. Like, you're so weird. Like, you guys can't brainwash me into liking this. And it's like, honey, it's your loss. (laughs) I don't need to convince you because I'm on the right side of her story. I say contrarian because I think people, there's like a certain type of person that just like kind of gets off on like going against the status quo, which is saying that Taylor Swift is is the status quo, right? Like if you want to be a Taylor Swift contrarian, it's kind of confirming the fact that Taylor Swift is like universally loved. And then you have Taylor Swift camaraderie, like Taylor Swift comrades, who I think, I think it would make up the bulk of Swifties is just like, you like the event of it. You like the, you'll buy a ticket to a Taylor Swift night. You're not going to like buy her merch or anything, but you'll like stay up till midnight and you'll listen to her and you'll love the album and you're, you're going to pick favorites with your friends at lunch and you're going to, you know, you might know about her relationships. You might not. And then you have like blind Swifty who moonlights as a defense attorney. 
like, am I ready to make the move from Blind Swifty to Comrade Swifty? Because I love the event of it all. And I think Taylor Swift knows that and does that on purpose. But, like, I love the camaraderie of a Taylor Swift rollout. Like, I love that we're all in this together. I love that we all wait up until midnight. I love that we all get to pick our favorite songs and, like, do the whole thing. And it's fun. And it's an event. And it's festive. It's, like, celebratory. But I think being like a div- like a blind Swifty, like I have been, is seeing something about like Taylor Swift's like jet fuel emissions and being like, what? How else is she gonna fly? <laughs> and I've taken some pauses this week, reading some of these just thoughts, good or bad or neutral, just like about her, about her music. There was a lot of stuff about how uh, how much of a capitalist she is. And I'm like, capitalist? How else is she going to make money? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that sort of thing where I'm like, should I, like, chill with that? And, like, be like, okay, like, yeah, we can, like, love her music. But, like, maybe she she could make some, like, better choices. I don't know. It It is definitely giving me food for, for Swifty Thought. I did buy some merch this morning. I bought a ringer tee, a purple ringer tee that has like kind of like a vintage graphic with her face from the Midnight's cover. And then I bought a pin that says vote for me for everything, which is in the anti-hero music video. And, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited by, by Taylor Swift and her constant scheming. But... I also do like anything that is happening in the culture around like a pop star that is accompanied by like a work of art is is just like a fun moment. You know what I mean? Like if we're talking Kim Kardashian, like she doesn't have the music to back it up. Kim Kardashian doesn't have songs and music videos. There's no artistry there. But like Taylor Swift, it's like, okay, we've got the artistry, we've got the album, which is what a majority of the people consume. But then we also do get to talk about her like marketing and her strategy and her like outfits and her, you know, celebrityisms. And I don't know, maybe that's why I like Taylor Swift so much. I don't know you guys, but I do know that I'm gonna continue packing up my apartment and listening to Karma on repeat because Karma is my moving truck. Karma is my new apartment. (laughs) Karma is some ice cold water for a dry throat. But I'd love to, uh, I'd love to know what your favorite songs off of Karma are, off of Midnight's, off of Karma. Imagine if she had called it Karma. She knew what she was doing with Karma. Is there a chance that Karma was supposed to be an album? Is there a chance that this album was Karma until she called it Midnight's? Is there a chance that you're going to buy one of the physical albums? I don't know. But thank you guys for listening to my uh, my my Taylor Swift dedicated episode. I hope it made you think a little. Um, and I hope you agree with my shaky ranking because it could change by tomorrow. Next time you hear from me, I will be living in a building with a doorman. So stay tuned for that, and I will talk to you guys later. Lords and ladies... 
It's time to gather round for another chapter 